So we make we make these choices, you know. But all all of this stuff is generated in the soul realm, the mind, the will, and the emotions. Uh, that that soul part of us. So all emotions are generated by thoughts in your mind. So don't give up your day by allowing them to stay around in your head. And I know we're going to uh, talk about this some in the lesson uh, on page 35. And I want to go back to where we ended last week in, uh, in John chapter 14. Here. John 14, everybody there? John, St. John, chapter 14, verse 27. You got the NLT there, Tor? What you got? Okay. I don't know what it says. There. It's all right. I can get it up here if I need it. Okay. All right, this is our, our scriptures we had from last week. It says, Peace I leave with you, my own peace now I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then this is the, the, the commandment to us. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated, disturbed, and do not permit yourself to be fearful, intimidated, cowardly, and unsettled. So he's saying that we have the spiritual fortitude to not permit ourselves to be fearful, intimidated, cowardly, or unsettled. Well, what happens when, when we get in this state? When we begin to get fearful or feel intimidated or cowardly? What happens? The first thought we have is what? We're going to lose. It's going to turn out bad for us. See, and this is where we, I don't want to get ahead of myself again this week, but this is where we stopped at last week was that thought generates that fear and without that thought there's no fear and 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 i've been really on this for the last two years i've been a lot of studying on 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 fear trying to trying to help my own self because it it has so many tentacles you know worry stress anxiety anxiousness i mean it, that, that branch of fear just goes 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 into every every part of of our life so on the top of page 35 We'll read this and then we've got some more scriptures I want to get to here. That's right. It's a paralyzing force. That's right. It says the peace that Jesus had. No, we're on, we on the second paragraph. Okay. It says Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. So don't exchange your peace for fear or sadness or sorrow. Fight what is, fight for what is yours. Quit allowing Satan to bully you with lies and defeat you with the truth. Get tough in your what? Your mind. Now let's go to Third John, right before Revelation there. And this is where we kind of quit last week. Third John, ain't but one chapter. 
verse 2. Read with it. There, John. It says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. So he's saying here that, that we can't take ourselves any further than what our soul realm is trained to do. That's where the missing ingredient. You can believe everything in this Bible, but if you counteract it with fear, worry, anxiety, if you counteract it with that, then faith can't work for you. We're going to dig into faith here in just a minute because without faith, it's impossible to please God for God to work with you. But it's saying here that all these issues we have, and that word prosper means total life prosperity, your family, your health, your money, your children. It's not just talking about, about money, but it's saying the part we have to retrain is our soul. Also, let's read up here. It says, get tough in your mind. Don't be carried away with any and every thought that comes your way. Exercise discipline in your thought life. And I'm going to say this. We're going to get a little ahead of myself. I'm going to say this, but I'm getting a little ahead of myself uh, when, I, when I say this. But you ever left a discussion or an argument with somebody and then you turn around and have these retreads in your mind of what you wish you should have said or thought, you know, you're having these conversations, you know, don't waste your time with that. Those are unprofitable. They don't mean nothing. That's already passed. That's already done. Well, I wish I should have done it. And you just rehash it over and over what you would have done or should have done or could have done. And that's totally unproductive and it paints you into to, to this corner like we're talking about here. All right, it says exercise discipline. We're on page 35 for folks that can't get here on time. <laughs> exercise discipline in your, in your thought life. Hey, we're recording this. <laughs> exercise discipline in your thought life, or you'll live on an emotional roller coaster where you're up one day, down the next. Or worse, you'll be down one day and further down the next. Have you ever noticed people do that? They live on that emotional roller coaster. They, they, it's, I call them drama kings and queens. They always got to have something something going. It's always some drama, always. You know, just being around those people, the time I leave, I'm just exhausted. Just, you know, I've been up, I've been down, I've been around, I've been in and out and everywhere, and just, just a few minutes with them, uh, you know. But it, it says here in 2 Corinthians 10, it says, For our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of God. So saying here we need to examine, to, to get our soul where it needs to be, we need to examine every thought we have. What, what does that mean to me? What, what's it, you know, and start examining those thoughts. I'm trying to read these next two paragraphs and get where we want to study this morning. On page 36, it says, Take every thought captive. Control what comes into your mind and screen your thoughts with scriptures. Does this line up with what I'm believing for? Does this line up with what God said about me? There are Christians who live life with a cloud of depression hanging over their heads every day. They would never allow sin in their life or sickness to enter their bodies, but they give place to depression every single day. 
They have believed a lie such as, after all you've been through, you ought to be depressed. They should believe the truth, which is, after all Jesus has done, I could never be depressed. We should be the happiest people on earth because the Bible is true. Now, this is where we ended up last week on Philippians 4, 6 here. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. I want to put this up in the Amplified here. Because it says basically what the same that we saw in, 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 in John. It says here, don't fret or have any anxiety about anything. Remember we started talking about last week about there's way more commandments in the Bible than, than the ten. That's a, that's a commandment. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. So the first thing we know when, when a situation presents itself, then the first thing we got to arrest ourselves and say is, am I having any anxiety about this thing? Why is, it, why is this thing bothering me? What about this? Because you start feeling it, like we talked about last week, you start feeling it in here. That's where the unrest starts, is, is, is in here you lose that peace. But in every circumstance and everything by prayer and petition or definite request with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. I want to get that real quick here in my Bible. Show you a couple of words here. Here it says, and we're going to dig into this in, in our next scriptures. We can get this to stay on the screen. I think it may be my core. There we go. It says here, by definite request, and we're going to dig into this in a little while, why do we spend so much of our prayer time explaining to God what's going on? That's useless information. He already knows what's going on. We're not telling Him nothing He don't already know. It says here, Come with definite requests. Remember, Jesus is our lawyer. He's our advocate, see? You know, hey, God, you already know what's going on. Now, your word says this, that you'll supply all of my needs. Now, I don't understand how to get from where I am to my needs met. Now, I, I need you to help me with this. I need you to show me how to get from where I am to where your word says I'm supposed to be. And then, because we're not there, we need some kind of correction. There's either an action, a thought, or something that has diverted us and got us away from the answer that, that we need. And that's why it says you come in indefinite re request. Be specific about what, what we want here. All right. So let's read on. Verse 7. And the peace of God shall be yours, that tranquil state of a soul. See, your mind, will, and emotions, where all this stuff generates. Assured of its salvation through Christ, 
And so fearing nothing from God and being content with this earthly lot of whatever sort it is, that peace which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So what we're saying is, again, it starts, those feelings start in our mind and our will and our emotions. And here, it says here, notice the next paragraph. It says, notice that the fruit of peace can guard your heart and mind when it's released through, through prayer. Now, there's two kinds of peace. You got the, the word peace in the Old Testament, and you got the word peace in the New Testament. One's Hebrew, one's Greek. When you see peace in the Old Testament, it's referring to nothing missing, nothing broken. That's part of, of, of the covenant that whatever's missing or whatever's broken in your life will, will be supplied. In the New Testament, in the Greek, it means to be complete, to be sound, or to be solid. When, when, when you feel that, when you feel that tranquility, I reckon is, the, is, is probably not the right word, but that, that calm inside of you, all of a sudden, you know, hey, it's, it's good. You, you, you complete, you, you know it's good. See, that's where you've got to follow that peace. When that little unrest starts, that's when we have to stop right then and say, okay, what, what's going on? And I give you this last week, but I want to, to give it to you again here this morning. And this is what we need to ask about every, every circumstance we run into. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm only moved by what I believe. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm only moved by what I believe. Because what happens? When that circumstance happens to us, then it generates, just like our thing said, it generates thoughts that bring emotions. And most of the time those emotions are negative. But am I going to go by what I see or am I going to go by what I believe? If I go by what I believe and what the Word says, it'll change what I see. Go, go to uh, 2 Corinthians 4.18. We're on page 36. Corinthians 4, verse 18. We, we there? It says, While we look not at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. So we don't look at what the circumstance is saying. We look at what we believe. For things which are seen are temporal, but things which are not seen are eternal. All right, go to Hebrews and I'll put these together. Hebrews 11.1, 1. everybody can quote that. It says now, everybody there, Hebrews 11.1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now remember, we had this in a past study. This King James Version in, wrote in 1600, that word hope doesn't mean what we call hope today. That word hope in the Old English is expected. So now faith 
is the substance of things expected. See, faith is a substance. All right? That substance of faith makes that thing that you can't see into something you can see. See, like flour is the substance of that cake. So you take that substance of flour and it makes into a cake something you could see that you couldn't see before. Faith, that thing that you need in your life, whatever it is. See, faith is that substance that will put together that thing that you need where you can see it. That's why it says without faith it's impossible to please God. Because what did God use? He did everything He did by faith. He used that substance to create something that was unseen and made it seen. See, he, he said light be. Well, light left at 186,000 miles a second. And in one day, it created over 1 billion miles of universe. And it's, it's ever since then, it's still created. See, sunlight wasn't until four days later, if, if you read the, in Genesis. See, he said light be and light. That light B, that light energy is the base substance of everything. Everything you could break down, any molecule, anything you want, it is an energy, a light substance at, at, at the base of that. He used that to create everything, see? But faith is that substance that, that you connect to that promise. And your faith connected to that promise begins to develop that thing that is not seen that you need, see? And that's why we have to suppress and take control of that fear, those emotions, because they drag us into believing what we see and that the thing that we need is impossible. We see that more times than not. With, with, you know, that just can't happen to me. Well, guess what? It's not going to happen to you. If you don't believe it can happen to you, then it can never happen to you. You don't have to worry about it. You're be all the time. Well, yeah, I don't believe in that healing stuff. Well, don't worry about it. You ain't got to worry about it. It ain't going to happen for you. So you, you're good, you know, with what you believe. But we have to remember that faith is that currency in the spirit that brings us everything that we need. All right. 2 Timothy 1.17. And while I'm reading this, go to go to First John four. It says, "God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love, and of a sound mind." So, what what does that not say? If God didn't give you that spirit of fear, worry, anxiety, stress, where did it come from? It, Huh? Or sometimes Satan. ourselves. Uh -huh. Sometimes we do it to ourselves. All right. So wh why why is fear self-generated and not faith? You ever thought about that? Why do I always generate fear, but I don't ever generate faith? It's easier to, hmm? it's easier to, to think the worst of anything mm -hmm. than it is to mm -hmm. think. Go back to what Dave Ramsey said. What what we think about. We 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 are. Sin for creatures from the beginning, and we concentrate way on negatives than we do positives. And it generates that, that thought, generates that fear. Without that thought, you don't have that fear. But why is it, why is it, I reckon, why is it so easy to, to, to think that way? 
because we, we spend our whole life training, this is my opinion, spend our whole life training ourselves to think that way. And now, me and Mark were talking about this, this, this last night at, at, at dinner. You know, it takes a lifetime sometimes to undo all the things that we've, we've done in our life. Our thought process has been ingrained in us since, since, since we were small. And, 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 and that thought process is, is very dominant. And then when we start hearing things like, 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 like we hear it now, it, it contradicts that. How, how can I ever get there? But the Bible says cause renewing of our mind. We're going to spend more time now thinking on this than we did that, and it'll retrain our mind, and then our first thought will become, yes, it's possible. God can, instead of, oh, I'm in trouble here. This kind is of like a habit. It takes mm-hmm. a while to change mm-hmm. a habit. It's going to take yeah. you a while to change that thought process. That's right. You know, we studied in the past, you know, we, we are created as habitual people. That's how God created us. But he created us to, to have good habits, but when, when our faith got inverted with, with, with Adam, we still had that habitual nature, but it went toward the negatives and, and the bad stuff. And, and we, we create those habits seemingly quicker than we do, do, do the good habits in there. First uh, John 4, 17 and 18. I'll just, for time's sake, I'll just put it up. Right here in the NLT, I got to change my Bible. Once I got NLT. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm put it on the screen here, but I got on to show y'all some stuff here. First John four and seventeen. Okay. Now this is the key to to, to changing, being a worrisome type person, uh, 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 that kind of stuff. Or in, or in, how was that? Have inferior to inferiority complex, all those things. It says, as we live in God, our love grows more perfect or more mature. All right? The key verse is, as we live in God. As we spend more time with God. See, the problem is when we fear, and like I said, I spent the last two years trying to help my own self with this, the, the, the problem is the reason we fear because we don't understand how much God loves us. But it's easy for me to relate God to me when I relate myself to my children. See, your love for your children moves you to do stuff for them, right? And you know as that child is small, he really don't understand how much you love him and what you're willing to do for them. Is that not a fair statement? Just, it's the same thing with us and God. We don't realize how much he, he loves us and to the extent that he's willing to go for us because we haven't spent that time believing that he loves us and understanding that he loves us. So, and, and we get to verse 18. When I read that every morning, I say, he loved the fear out of me. He lo- I, I don't fear like I used to. I don't worry like I used to. I don't let things get under my skin like I used to. It says here, as our love grows, we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. Now, that word judgment is the word krisis in, in, in the Greek. It means a decision, an accusation, <clears throat> a trial, when an opinion or a decision is given. So, it says here, 
I lost my place. So we will not be in, afraid in the day when we run up on that problem. When that situation presents itself, we'll not be afraid because we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Now, how did Jesus live? Jesus lived by Genesis 1.28. Control your environment or it'll control you. See, he only, look at Jesus. He's a, he's a mirror image of God. Said He only said what God said. He, if you look at every situation Jesus faced, he never, condoned ain't the right word, never agreed with, with the situation. He never acknowledged the situation. He only acknowledged what he believed and said what he believed and stood by what he believed. When he's getting out of the boat, Jairus comes and says, come go with me, my daughter's at the point of death. Jesus didn't say a word. What did he do? Just turned and started going with Jairus. He never acknowledged what Jairus said. See, He went all the way and they come and said, hey, don't bother the master anymore, your, your, your daughter's dead. What did Jesus turn and say? What? Don't fear just believe. Don't, don't let that word introduce this emotion of fear that your daughter is dead. Don't let that get in your head. Don't do that. Believe what you asked me. What did you ask me? See, he's got to make a move on faith now. Jairus does. He asked God to come heal his son, or Jesus to come heal his son. So now he's at the crossroads. Well, it's over with now. It's too late now. Don't, don't trouble the master. See? So I got to either side, well, I still believe that he's going to heal my daughter or I'm going to give in to the fear and this negative news and say that it's over. See, he's a, you're going, everybody, why? Because Matthew 4, Mark 4, 15, you can read it later, says that when you take a step of faith, Satan comes immediately to take that word away from you. See, Jairus took a step of faith and Satan come immediately to try to get him off of his step of faith and get him into fear. You see that? So he said, then what, Jesus went on and and he got there. He says, the daughter's not, she's dead, but she sleeps. And the people started laughing at him. You think about that. You've got several hundred people, and they're all laughing at you. It's hard to generate up some faith when, when, when you're under that kind of ridicule. See? But, then what, but, he, but he didn't acknowledge it. Notice he didn't acknowledge it. He went straight on and, and did what, what Jairus asked him to do. And that, that's what this is saying. It says, for such love, verse 18, has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Now back to our example. When, when your kids were small and something would scare them, what would they do? Run to you. And when you pick them up, what happened to that fear? Gone. Gone. You, they knew that they was with daddy or mama. That love was greater than that fear, and that fear got expelled. Boom. See, and then now you can begin to see the great divide between our walk with God. We, we don't really believe God that much. We don't really ex think that He can do it. We, we, we don't know how much He loves us. Just like, you know, at that, that point, that child don't know how much you love them, but they know that running to you fixed the problem. See? But so when we have these problems, we got to run to God. And let his love handle the issue instead of us being af afraid and not doing it. it. says, because why? That thought of that fear brings punishment. Yeah, every one of us is laid up at night with that mental anxiety. 
them night sweats, all of that stuff worried about what if, what if, what if, what if, what if. See? And that's totally got us got, got, got us into fear and more in anxiety and not and, and not in the faith. So I, I want you to see that this morning. You know, that we only have that fear when we see that thought produces a thought of loss. Without that thought, there is no fear. So the Bible says we've got to take that thought captive. And we take that thought captive, then it won't generate that fear. It'll generate faith like it's supposed to, see? Does that make sense? But but that is, I, I can't reiterate that enough, that, that that is the baseline on the fear is without those thoughts and without those words, there's no fear. So you go to the doctor and you well you feel like there's something wrong with you, but you ain't really worried about it. It don't really bothering you. You're gonna go get a checkup and see. But that doctor comes back and says stage four cancer. So what did that word do? That word produced fear. See, without that word, there was no fear. See, and then we had that crossroads. Well, what do I believe? Do I believe God's love is bigger than this? Or do I accept this and and go on? You know, it, it, our will has a lot to do with that. I, I worked with this lady for several years. She started going to the, the doctor. The doctor thought she, she, she had some kind of heart problems. So she'd go to the doctor about every other week or so, and she, was, she kept working. I mean, you know, physically she looked fine. She, she, she didn't say she felt bad. Uh, she just knew something wasn't right. And this, this rocked on six, eight months. You know, she just, that, that never could, they, they had something wrong with your heart, but they never could pinpoint it. So she went to a different doctor, and the doctor said, you got stage four pancreatic cancer. Now she left work, went to the doctor. The doctor told her that. She went home, got in the bed, and never got up again. Boom. That fear was so great, it just took everything out of her. Two months later, she was dead. But now what if she had never heard that? Hmm? She might have lived several more years. I mean, you know, or she may not have, but, but that, that fear so overwhelmed her and that thought of death till, it, till, till she couldn't even function as a person anymore. That's she, like my dad. My dad was taking Josephine Savannah to like Ozark and to some play thing that they were supposed to be doing with the school. And heck, he was up working on cars. And two days later, I took him to the hospital, and he found out he had pancreatic cancer. Four days later, he was gone, mm-hmm. and like he was healthy as a horse. Mm-hmm. And then, bam. Yeah, I mean, but but, but what happened? That fear just mm-hmm. just overwhelmed us, and that thought of dying become greater than that thought of life. You know. And I, I, I think about, you know, we, we have to have a will and be willing to, to, to fight. You know, we won't know what we're going to do till we get in those situations. I don't want to judge anybody. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to give you the thought of how quick that fear. But at the same time, faith is greater than fear. If we can develop that, that faith, it can put us right back on the other side just as quick as that, fa- that fear took us down. But we are not willing to do the work that it takes to, to, to climb. See, the Bible says that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. When, I, when something hits me that I don't know how to deal with, that's the first thing I say, look, look, God, I just can't believe it. There ain't no need in denying it and not being honest with yourself. Because I mean, he knows anyway. 
But I know you said this. Now help me develop my faith so I can begin to believe this. And then you start spending time with that promise and dissecting every word of it and finding references and faith cometh how? By hearing. See, then that begins to... Because it only takes... What does the Bible say? It only takes a mustard seed type faith to fix this problem. I don't have to have great faith to get over this problem. I just got to generate a tiny bit of faith. But how much fear? It takes a lot of fear to bring me down or bring you down. See, because when we have that thought, it's big fear. It ain't little fear, right? See, it takes big fear to bring you down, but it only takes a dab of faith to get you back. We just got to develop just the just a tiny, tiny bit of faith for it to start working in our favor. Now, it may take some time for it to fully develop and put the circumstance down, you know, but once we have faith, then it starts working at that very second that we brought faith. It starts working at that very second against that situation. But we're so impatient lots of times, we don't give it time to develop. You know, like if you're sick and you pray for healing, you got to remember, if you believe in, and you, you released your faith, that sickness died at that instant in your body. But now there's a process of time for the body to heal. Now, if you get a miracle, it all happens in one, in one swack, see. But that's what we do. First time we pray about a physical ailment, then naturally we go right to our body and begin to check if we feel better, if we feel different. Did anything change? See, but we don't go by, remember, I don't go by what I feel. I don't go by what I see. I go by what I believe. I got to give that mustard seed time to grow and become that big tree that the Bible talks about, see. So we can't give up. We got to get that small amount of faith working, and then we got to let faith do do what it does and keep our mind in the right place and, and let that faith develop until it brings us whatever it is that, that we need. Uh-huh. We all there? So you start thinking about that next week when uh, when you have those 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 thoughts about this fear. Let's, let's finish our scripture. Get back well, fear—we're like born into it because of the fallen state. That's right. Mm-hmm. So we've already—we're already working behind, and we have to overcome that. That's right. And we're working against, in most cases, we just got to be honest. We're working against our family. We're working mm-hmm. against our friends. We're working against the news. We're working against the environment because all of that is negative. Mm-hmm. See, not everybody has this information that that we have and they don't think like you know I, I know this lady that's had stage four cancer now for two years they 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 wanted her to die and and they wanted to believe god we me and angie prayed with them and and, and then I, I i see this guy's sister and she said you know he's just not living in reality i told him i said they said this is stage four cancer you need to quit fooling yourself that that she's gonna come out of this you know you have to separate those. You know, if you're in a fight for your life, you—I don't care if it's mama, daddy, whoever—you got it. You got to get away from those people mm-hmm. because you are way more subject because of the way we develop to believe what she was saying than you are to believe what God is saying. Mm-hmm. See, and we have to separate from those negative people. They—they—they they, they, they got good intentions. They're not trying to do us harm, mm-hmm. but if they don't understand the process of faith. Then they they bring in a stand. In two years now, this lady has so-called stage four, stage four cancer, 
And does she have some problems? Yes, she don't have a lot of energy. She can't do a lot of stuff. She still gets up and down and eats and all, but she's still here. You know, she didn't quit on, on, on it. She's still here and still working. So you have to realize that, you know, those people are going to come with what they think is, is reality, you know. Mm-hmm. But what does the Bible say? If two agree is touching anything, it shall be done. So we have to be so careful when we do that that we don't break that agreement. You know, it, because if, if, if one person breaks the agreement, then it's no longer agreement. And here comes the flood of the enemy. Just boom, just like that. So you have to be real careful who you ask to pray for you and what you let them pray and what you ag- agree to. See, most of the time, if you, if you need somebody to agree with you, one person needs to pray and the other one needs to listen. If you're both praying, you don't know what the other one said. There's no agreement. You know, you say, yeah, yeah, we agreed, but you ain't got no idea what they said. Somebody's got to do the praying. Somebody's got to do the listening. And the end say, okay, this is what we agree on. This is what we're going to do. Now, if the other person is the one with the problem, then you become spiritually liable for that person. You can't be the one talking negative because they have... Why do people come up to be prayed for? Because they have more faith in your faith than they do their faith. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not being criticizing that. All right? So, so they have put faith in your faith. But when you let your faith down, then you've let that person down, and they don't get what they need from God, and they turn around and say, well, this stuff don't work. Well, what happens is we, we, because we're not the Christian we're supposed to be. We didn't hold our faith line. See, it's our responsibility to hold that line for that person because if that person was able to hold the faith line, they would have never come to start with. See? And it's our responsibility to hold that, hold that line, stay with them, encourage them, stay on it, stay on it, stay on it, and don't get caught agreeing with the circumstance and, and, and you breaking the, the agreement for those people. Amen. All right, we'll pick it up next week.